Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff Podcast, episode, what is it, 66, right? Yep. 66 stands for? You always catch me off guard with this. <laughs> well, that's why, you know, I, I'll either ask at the start or at the end, and I'll switch it up to make sure that, you know, you don't get used to it. <laughs> when I search for 66 meaning, the angel number 66 is like, what do you call it, numerolo- numerology? There's also the Route 66, I assume it's some highway in America. It was a popular, oh wait, Route 66 was a popular U.S. television on CBS from 60, in the 60s. Yeah, I don't have much for this number either. <laughs> <laughs> Lily Act, the song title. Who? I don't know. I don't know. That's when I googled sixty six, the first result is a YouTube video. Okay. Well, I guess we don't have much um, much for this, so let's uh, jump to the second most important topic of the day: is the drinks. Yeah, I'd say it's the first most important thing, and we started with the second most important thing. But um, today, I'm drinking another one of my Hakuba drinks, so the drinks that I bought on my vacation a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And this time, so last time it was a cider made out of snow, I think. Um, and this time it's a it's a um it's, it's a grape water using oh, grape water is really natural good. water from from um from northern alps which is the, the mountain range over there okay and, um, it's got a it's got a little what is this a goat you've seen the package holding a bunch of grapes on the label i'm not so sure if it's a goat maybe it's a deer or a deer yeah some sort of animal Oh, it's really good. Like all these waters usually have a really subtle taste when they're like orange. Mm-hmm. But this one's actually pretty sweet and, and the taste, like, like you can actually taste the grapes really nice. But it's still not the, like super sweet. Does it taste sweet. like the green grapes? Cool. Yeah. Grapes. Okay. Does it taste like green? Okay. Yeah, I love grape water. I don't know why. Maybe it's out of season. Maybe they have it in the summer only because I haven't uh, haven't seen this much. I know they sell it. They should sell it other times a year. For some reason, I'm not the grape water or the orange water. Instead, I have, I assume this is yogurt water. <laughs> yogurt water. <laughs> yogurina. Yogurina in Japanese written. And what it looks like to be uh, yogurt in a spoon, but like essentially... It's clear water that I'm holding right now. I have no idea what this tastes like. I've seen this many times. Yeah, I can't imagine it. Reasons. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know if you saw the transparent Coca-Cola that they used to sell here before. I might have seen it. I don't remember. Like when you close your eyes, it tastes pretty much like Coca-Cola. But when you look at it and you drink it, it's it's really weird. Okay. And I'd feel so. the same with the yogurt water. I think it wasn't like at least a bit whitish. Yeah. So, well, I guess the reason I got it was... I've seen this all the time, but I've never tried it. And this could be either... I don't imagine it being really good. <laughs> but there's a strong possibility this could be really bad. And since we're doing all kinds of drinks, you know, I can't have nines and eights all the time, you know? i got to taste a few zeros. You've, you've got it for our listeners' entertainment. Yeah. I drink it so you don't have to. <laughs> well, let's see. Hmm. Are you still alive? <laughs> well, it's not a zero. It's not a five. It's like a six or a seven. Like it's how strong is the yogurt taste? It's hmm. oh, in the middle. I'd say I don't know. What am I comparing to? It's uh, like you can definitely you can taste the yogurt, but it's a bit on the sweet side. So I guess you can kind of tolerate it. It's like a sweet kind of yogurt. Have um, you ever drank like um Yakult or something like that? I think it tastes similar to this. Oh yeah, so it's clear water and it just has that taste. Yeah, I get a, I'll give it like a six or a seven, probably closer to a six. I'm not a big fan of Yakult. Yeah, so, sounds good. I'll give mine an eight. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, got to be adventurous sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the most important topic aside, what are we talking about today? Yes, I think it's been a while since we've had a, had one of our unscripted chats. So let's just talk about a couple of random things, some related to side hustle, some some not really, but um, yeah. that our listeners might find interesting to talk about. Um as you know, I, I got my second shot the other day. So finally, Team Moderna. 
yeah, so finally can go out and, and travel a bit more internationally than, than until now, which is really exciting. Yeah. You got yours quite a while back. Um, a month, exactly a month ago, actually. Oh, cool. Any plans to turn it into an opportunity to, to travel? Uh, I'd like to travel, but I'm not a solo traveler. Maybe, like, of course, visit home would be a priority. Yeah. Maybe visit some friends in Australia. But other than that, like... Um, I'm not much of a solo traveler. Like I, uh, you know, I'd need a girlfriend for that type of stuff or friends to well, do that. It's weird. I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not that brave. <laughs> I could do many things, but also can't do a lot of other things. You know. Well, is that a is that a recruitment call for for a girlfriend? <laughs> no, no. It's a, let's edit this part. <laughs> it's not a recruitment call. <laughs> All right. Yes, I wonder. I don't know what the what the requirements are like in the U.S. now, but I guess as an American, you could go without much trouble. Yeah, I had a friend that went to New York. I think last within the last two weeks, and she just flew in, and I she told me no one really checked her for anything. She <laughs> went about life like nothing ever happened, and now that she came back, now she has to sit in quarantine for a bit. But I guess going into America is the easy part. Is, is she Jap- uh, is, is she American or? Japanese. Oh, Japanese. So, yeah. so other people can travel there now too. Maybe I should visit again. So, but but yeah, I think that the Japanese side is really um they have this two week um stay at home period. Yeah. And um I I think a lot of other countries started relaxing those restrictions and especially if you get your shots, they either exempt you or make it really short. I think but Japan, Japan is planning. To. Yeah, I think I think from from beginning of October they're planning to um shorten it to. 10 days, which is, I mean, it's, it's nice, but at the same time, it's like they could have made it at least a week or something. I had, a, I had another friend that came back from States, American, and he had to go through the whole quarantine thing. I, you know, I, I think yeah, he was, he was very glad to go outside is what it sounded like. <laughs> I, I imagine sitting at home kind of feeling locked up for, uh, was it 14 days? Cause it's probably like a big takes a big toll on your mental health. Yeah, I think it depends on the the degree to which people actually uh, follow it. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited they're they're starting it to de- to ten days because I'm planning to go to, to Slovakia in in two weeks or so. Okay, so it will be nice to shorter get back. Did you get a vaccine passport yet, or whatever that is? I don't know what that is though. Yeah, I I sent in the the documents on on Friday. Okay, so planning on travel. Yeah, planning on travel. Actually, next week's episode, um, if you can record on may- maybe this Wednesday, if we can do the goal, because I won't be around on um, Saturday, Sunday either. This I don't know if I'd have my goals completed by then. I thought it's the last day of the month. Yeah, but, you know, I, I played close. Oh, not-, not Wednesday. Sorry, I meant Thursday. Thursday is the last oh, day of the month. Oh, yeah. So if we do Thursday, end of the day. Wait, but then I wouldn't have time to finish my September goals because we're recording on ser- Thursday, end of the day. <laughs> All right, then we can do Monday. Okay. The, fo- the following week, so that you so that you can maximize your time to, to get the goals done. Um, exactly. I, it's all about time maximization. Yeah. Sir, I'd love to travel too, like, but within Japan, you know, after going to Hakone last year, I was pretty fun. This is like, um, Japanese j- nature in general is very nice. That's something I want to see more of. Yeah, you should. If you're here, you should take advantage of it. Like you were saying with with um with language, you're in Japan, so you should learn Japanese or something along those lines. I think yeah. you were saying last last week um yeah. i think it's the same with going to different places here yeah actually next week we're going to um to izumo and tottori which is on the on the japan Jap- what is it called the sea of japan side okay does it have japan. the sand dunes yeah tottori has the sand dunes and um izumo has the has one of the the most famous uh, was it, what is it shrines i think okay the izumo taisha but um yeah the, the reason we're going there is actually I've, I've been wanting to go there for the last year or so because 
where the sand dunes are, there's actually a sand museum or a sand mm -hmm. um, art gallery or whatever. And I think they're having like thematic sand statues there. Okay. And, and for the last year and a half or so, um, the theme has been Czech Republic and Slovakia. So I really wanted to see that. Okay. My wife and I were um, talking about when to go and we're like, all right, let's just go next week. Because I, I was saying that I'm, I'm starting to, to get the feeling that, um, that the Czech and Slovak Republic um, exhibition will, will end before I actually get to go there. Okay. We decided to go next. Got a nice um, hotel with an, with an onsen in Yonago, which is somewhere between Izumo and, and Tottori. It would be a nice, quick two-day trip. I understand there's camels there too, right? In Tottori. Yeah, I think you can ride camels there. They also have, um, what is it called? Like sand surfing or whatever. It's like the, the yeah. snowboard. You can um, give that a try. Kind of on sand. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like a little desert trip with all the sand dunes and, and, and the camels is sandboarding. Yeah. But it's right next to You should to give you. a sandboarding a try. Yeah, maybe. It seems like fun. I'm more of a skiing guy, although I haven't been. Really? Although I haven't skied in a while. Yeah. Wait, so you never snowboarded then either, right? I think I tried it once or twice. I wasn't particularly um, good at it. Okay. Uh, th that's because I, I guess... tried it once or twice. <laughs> okay. Because I used to skateboard when I was younger. And I, I imagine there's like a linear progression. You go from skateboarding to trying snowboarding. You're still on that same board. Maybe, uh, what is it? Sandboarding? Yeah, whatever the name is. Although I, I do hear that snowboarding is a giant pain in the butt because you just fall all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I like skiing more. Although I, I think more and more people are snowboarding rather than skiing. It seems to be the cooler sport, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. To me, skiing seems like more fun for whatever reason. There's more. If for nothing else, like yeah, that, and also for nothing else, if you're like on a on a on a um on a flat land, you can still kind of get yourself moving without having to undo one of your feet. And mm, right. I, I guess I also like kind of the idea that if you fall on skis. Um, the skis are kind of supposed to fall off your feet and, and you're not supposed to break your leg. Okay. Versus with snowboards, like if you fall, the board is still stuck to your feet. Yeah, but it doesn't look as cool, but I guess I understand the sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if you're going for cool, then maybe snowboard is... Although I think skiing's cooler. So. Well, that's why we have our own different tastes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Back to the shot. Did you have any symptoms? Um, Nothing for like 24 hours and then got a fever for, for like the next 12 or 18 hours or whatever. I woke up on the third day and so far so sounds good. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. And um, unlike the last time, I won't go swimming for the next, at least a couple more days Okay. To, um, to, to, to not continue with my experiment where I went swimming for three days in a row. And every time after swimming, I'd have a fever. Yeah. Because presumably I went too soon after the shot. But it sounds like uh, the natural progression of things, you get a shot, then the next day you have a fever, and then which is day two, and then day three, you're mostly fine. I think I had something similar. Yeah, and interestingly, um, my arm doesn't hurt all this time. Really, that's We're, interesting. Yeah, whereas the last time it hurt pretty uncomfortable. Well, I guess probably for for a it, for you, it doesn't sound like it was bad. I think um, for other people, especially with Moderna and myself, well, I don't know. In hindsight, I don't know if I can claim my symptoms to be too terrible, but some people made it sound like they were going through hell. Yeah, my wife had a thirty-nine point eight degrees fever for a while. Thirty-nine point eight. Yeah. Did she take think, meds? Yeah. For me, I think the highest okay. was like thirty-seven point seven. Okay. Maybe you didn't have a too strong of a immune reaction then. Yeah. Or or maybe they injected water or something. That's <laughs> possible. Well, it's good that you got it done. You can start traveling now. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully, it will make international travel a bit more practical. Yeah. Well, at, at the very least, the nice thing is that that um, Slovakia accepts the Japanese vaccine passport, and that makes you exempt. Yeah. All right. So, um, shots aside, what else do you have? 
Yeah, I guess the other thing that I've been working on, and uh, again, unrelated to side hustles, but um, as mentioned, I went to on a trip with my wife and her parents a couple of weeks back and of course took a lot of photos and like made me thinking again that I should start organizing my iPhone photos because essentially they sit in the hard drive on your phone and you almost never go back to them. And when you go back to them, you kind of try to search for them and, and it takes you forever to find a photo that you want to kind of look at at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to fix that because my aircraft photos are organized like a like the National Library of Congress or something. Every single photo has like a has the registration as the as the title, which is kind of like the the number plate of the aircraft. And like it's got the aircraft tab, it's got the um, airline, and it's got the airport it was taken at. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to find whatever aircraft photo I want to find that I took. Um, and then my like hotels are organized in folders by like the country and the um and, and lounges by the country and the airport and and the lounge name or hotel name. And flights are all or, all organized by the airline name and then the flight number and date. So it's really easy to find whatever photos I need when I need them. Okay. So I'm trying to implement something like that for my iPhone photos as well, because that's by far the, the camera that I take the most pictures with and is the most disorganized. Okay. So I start putting them in Lightroom, the software that is for organizing, editing my photos. Essentially going to um, attempt to do the same thing for, um, that I do for my aircraft photos. So I'm going to tag each photo with location, whatever, like Japan, Nagano, Hakuga. Mm. Um and with the person, so myself, my wife, her parents, or whoever the person um, is on the photo, if any. And then by subject, yeah. flower, um, I don't know. Drink. You must have a lot of drinks going on in there. Yeah, I have drink. I, I made a Japanese-English um, keyword as well for like random weird Japanese translations of uh, weird English translations of Japanese things. Um, I love those. I have a manhole cover category for like nice. You've seen those in Japan, right? The nice covers they have. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially just trying to make photos easy to find because, yeah, like sometimes it's it's easy to forget where you even went. You look at a photo and you're like, oh, nice. <laughs> actually, actually went to wherever two months. Like it's good to have it organized. It will take quite a while, I think. Yeah. Hopefully I can get to the point where I catch up with the past. And then the idea is to um, every month to just dump all my iPhone photos from that month um, into Lightroom and organize them. And once you catch up, it's easier to kind of stay on top of it. I actually don't uh organize my iphone photos at all which is interesting interesting to hear you talk about it because it's just uh, whatever pictures that i take plus pictures that i save is just like one jumbled mess and i mean i'll scroll through it but i've not really actually went through the effort of organizing it like i'll have memes pictures that friends send me <laughs> pictures that i've taken then like other uh, of course other pictures that aren't really i don't really need to save like pictures of snacks or something yeah. Yeah. The, the other reason I find it good is because essentially the first thing I do after putting them, putting Dead Mouse photos into Lightroom is just go through all of them and um, delete all those that I either don't need or that are kind of duplicates or kind of similar or blurry or like random screenshot that I don't need anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You realize that um, that kind of eliminates about half or maybe not half, but quite a significant portion of your pictures, which already makes it simpler to find what you need. And then I kind yeah. of put them in folders by... um whatever like if there were some bigger things that i did that amount so like whatever 2020 0820 tokyo disneyland or something um mm-hmm. and, and then if it's just like random day-to-day photos i just have a separate folder for that september miscellaneous something along those lines is this something that you would recommend doing i think so but then again i like um i like spending time organizing my photo keyword especially with the aircraft okay but I think, yeah, because like, like I think we were talking here before as well. It's um, it's like 30 years ago, you went on a vacation and you took whatever 24 photos or 36 photos or whatever the um the capacity of the film roll was that you got. 
and maybe you got like five film rolls so it's like 100 photos total and then you printed those photos and you kind of cherished them and put them in an album and so on and like i, I feel like you had way less photos but you are much more careful about one which you were photographing mm -hmm. um so you so you, you are left with I guess better photos on average because every photo costs you like however much money at yeah. the end of the day. And two, you also kind of went back to the albums and it was easy to kind of look for the photos and just scroll through them and because the, the number was manageable. Yeah. But now at least myself, I find myself taking hundreds of photos every month and never going back to most of them. Mm -hmm. So I think like going through them and organizing them is a nice way to both wanna kind of go through all the photos and, and see what I see what I saw. <laughs> yeah. At, at the time, but also to make it easier to return there, to, to return to the photos later when I want to see some of them, or maybe I want to show somebody some of the photos or whatever it might be. And then I guess also, last but not least, after you die, if it's organized, it's, it's easier for others to also decide, do I want to keep these photos? Or Yeah. All right. Uh, this got dark real quick, but uh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah. So that's one, one of my photo um, projects. The other one is I got a, a scanner and I wanted to scan all the old paper photos in their grandparents' house, but that is still in early stages. You should set a deadline for it and then make it part of your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Because for that, I, I have to go to my grandparents. And, uh, do you have access to the house? Yeah, definitely. And same with photos in Slovakia. There's, weird, a, lot, uh, there's a lot of yeah. photos to organize. Yeah. I don't have that kind of relationship with photos just yet. I imagine, you know, like, you know, one day in the future, if I, you know, I'll have a family, then of course you want to cherish those memories and organize them and keep them somewhere. Right now, my iPhone's a mess. iCloud's telling me to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> and I have pictures of protein bars, books, drinks, memes, nothing really worth saving. <laughs> I don't know. I like saving my food pictures, like our, our drink pictures, um, travel, or, or even just random pictures around. Yeah. I mean, some nice pictures I'll keep, the ones that I've taken, but otherwise, yeah, I can say with confidence that a lot of what's sitting on my phone right now can probably go. So Maybe it's, that, it's time to clear your, what is it called? iCloud? Yeah, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think most people don't organize their photos. I think everybody should at least back up their photos. You lose your iPhone and you lose all your photos. It's pretty sad. Yeah. But in terms of organizing them, I, I guess the nice thing is that iPhones, actually, I was pretty surprised how good iPhone is at kind of picking out your trips and so on like if you open the, if, in what sense um i think they both look at the location of the photo but also actually at the subject they can somehow like the iphone can look at the subject look at the photo and can see if it's food or if it because if you search on iphone for like trees um then i get mm. some photos of your search that's for true um, i see flowers forests, animals bonsai yeah. somehow made it there <laughs> even though there's no bonsai in the picture yeah, and also if you click this um, for you thing at the bottom, it's pretty good at making the album. It's, it's kind of good at separating out your your trips. It's, I guess it just looks at the date, time, and yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have a trip here to was that the D, the team lab thing that they have going on in a few locations oh. in Tokyo. Oh, is it like the projection mapping thing? Yeah, it's a really nice thing. I, I've been there three times or four times. Um, pro obviously prior to COVID, friends. Have you been there? No, I, I saw it before and I, I really want to go. I haven't been there yet. I always felt like it was a temporary thing, but it's been around for like three years now. <laughs> so maybe two or three years. I'm, I don't know, but I don't think it's going away anytime soon. There's a few locations. I think one is in Toyosu. The other one is in nearby Odaiba, but the installations are a bit different. Yeah. I think the Toyosu one is much better than the one in Odaiba, but the Odaiba one also has some really interesting ones too that are worth seeing. 
Nice. Yeah, because exactly, because I think I think when I was looking at it, it was kind of presented as an event, and then I almost forgot about it because I thought the event was over. But then it kept popping up. social media or something. I kept seeing it. Oh, maybe it's gonna stay around, so I should go. Yeah, yeah. If you have the time, highly recommend it. We'll put my list. Yeah, if if not this year, then next year. You could make it before your trip to Slovakia. I don't have a I don't have an open weekend. Oh yeah, it's two weeks out, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we'll we'll go to Totori next Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe the following Friday or something. Um, yeah, because there's this thing where after you take the second shot, it needs to be two weeks before you are exempt from yeah. restriction. Yeah, I think I'll leave the following Thursday, which would mean I get to Slovakia on the on the eighth. And because they say it takes about two weeks for the vaccine to kick in, it's probably yeah, why. E- exactly. Yeah, the interesting thing is I think now also for travel, it's like it has to be more than two weeks, but less than 360 days or whatever before you're. Um, after your second shot. So I think that's going to leave another bunch of people kind of stuck with not being able to travel kind of with the fully vaccinated status. I think there's not that many countries that are still doing, uh, that are already doing booster shots, the third shot. Yeah. And even if they are doing it, uh, it's probably limited to certain demographic, the high-risk categories, whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, so that will leave some of the people that were the first ones to get the shot will kind of be left in, in this gap of not being able to get the third shot, but also being too far from their second shot to be to be exempt from all these tra- travel um, restrictions. will be interesting to see how that's going to get. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because they, they, they do say that it wanes a bit after some months, hence the requirement for a motor shot. Yeah. All right. So what else do we have on the list for today's... Uh, I see you have a few tweets going on here. Yeah, so I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter looking for anything interesting. And again, I think um, tweets are kind of, it's like we were talking about quotes the other day. And I think mm-hmm. tweets are kind of similar where they're too short to really kind of give you a lot of actionable value that you kind of take to your heart and implement. Mm-hmm. But I also think they're kind of almost nice thinking prompts or just to get you thinking about certain topics. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and I saw this one tweet, I guess, quoting um, Naval Ravikant, who is, I guess, an investor and also pretty popular on Twitter in kind of the business community. And um, yeah, there, there was this tweet about asymmetric opportunities. He listed investing in startups, starting a company, creating a book, creating a podcast, creating a product, um, going to a cocktail party, going on many first dates, moving to a big city, buying Bitcoin, tweeting, so on. And um, yeah, I think this is something that's always good to be reminded of. It's like, even with, I guess, tied back to this podcast, like even with side hustles, there's always kind of two approaches, right? Where one approach is, again, where one approach is you're kind of going all in without expecting any immediate return, but also expecting kind of outsized return at the end of at the end of the day, or kind of going the more of trading time for money. So like freelancing or offering services and other similar things where um, you get the money right away. But I guess to use the words of this tweet, it's like, the money that you get is kind of symmetrical with the time you put in. So you, you put in one hour, you get paid for that one hour, whether it's 10, 20, 50, 100 or $200, it's still kind of tied to that one hour. Yeah. Versus I think, um, I don't know if you're able to track um, how much money you're making making per any specific article, but I know that on my side, there are some articles that went on to make hundreds of dollars or um, over $1,000, even though the articles themselves cost like $30, $40, right? So it's... So, so I guess there's always those two paths. It's like you either wait and kind of choose the asymmetric part where you hope you get paid way more down the road, even though not, right now you're not getting anything, or you kind of take the more conservative path and, and whatever, you find yourself a client to, to sell design services to and you charge $25 per hour or $100 per logo or whatever it might be. The asymmetric side sounds a little more fun to me. 
but also yeah. can understand why someone won't take take it on because uh, I do you know like people do have a, a rightful view of like you know if I'm gonna put time into it I expect a return be put in I expect to get paid for my time so I definitely understand definitely do both sides practice both sides both are important uh, but asymmetric is always also fun because the thing is like you know for example with this podcast like I don't know what to expect you know at the very <laughs> least I, I get I have an outlet to talk about side hustles to use my voice because <laughs> Uh, there's part of me that kind of wants to put my voice to use um and just i don't know practice practice speaking yeah get better at it i don't know if i'm getting any better at it but you know that's another point but um these kind of asymmetric opportunities are a bit more fun i don't know why well i, I wouldn't say more fun but like it's 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 more of a personal thing I, you know i don't think anyone would commit themselves to something where they aren't getting a return an immediate return if it wasn't personal or if they weren't interested or not having fun yeah, yeah. I, I wonder because I think, in a way, I guess the asymmetric opportunities part is kind of there's unlimited upside, but there's also the potential of not making anything. Essentially, that's what, a, what some would call wasting time. But but even then, you can learn things and so on. But I mean, I do wonder how many people are there just are kind of pursuing asymmetric opportunities. You know, like how we can we can say that seventy percent of businesses fail within the first five years, like that, right? Yeah. I don't know what the official statistic is, but I do wonder what the statistic is for people that pursue similar asymmetric opportunities, whether starting a blog, a YouTube channel, because we only hear about the winners and we don't really hear about who else tried and failed. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's definitely right. There's probably way, 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 way more um, people that try to go after these opportunities and end up with nothing. Yeah. And I guess in, in that way, it's kind of like gambling or like playing poker or whatever. It's like, um, and, and I think that's, that's the, at least to me, that's the exciting part about it. It's like, to me, it would be yeah. boring to, to essentially work for one company and like be paid whatever set amount per month and, and have no downside, but also no upside. It's like, I think it would get boring pretty soon versus when you're like building a website or something, there's, there's always this potential for upside or for downside. And it's kind of the uncertainty that makes it exciting. I think it's almost like going to a casino. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, you've also dabbled in uh, videos and podcasts. What about on that level? Um, in what way? Well, I mean, well you, you know, you said like you, you're the kind of the asymmetric or the un- unpredictable side of things make, you know, like makes you prefer working for yourself and working on, on your own hustles rather than working for a company. So the, the chaotic kind of ups and downs, right? It's much more addictive, much more fun is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah. So, but that's on the side of... Um, you doing your work, which is uh, making websites and continually creating more content. But what about, say, in the video space and the podcast space? Do you feel similar? Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess with the podcast, it's I think the biggest opportunity is, like you said, just being able to to talk about these things and kind of keep them on top of my mind. Um, mm. I, I don't expect any any like super huge payout after 500th episode although who knows i, I don't um, expect, <laughs> i don't expect anything um i don't even expect people to listen so if you're listening this far thank you yeah and, and again with the podcast i think the fact that it's continuing it's doing it's a, it's a proof that it's giving me um one kind of value or another with, with youtube um as you know i gave up on that pretty soon or i put it on hold pretty soon yeah and again i, I think that's fine too it's like when when you do these things i think some are winners, some are losers. Um, some you put on hold, maybe return to them later. Yeah. Just yeah, just about keeping it. Um, I think keeping a bit of variety in, in what you're doing, and 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 that comes with sometimes um, giving up on things, sometimes not taking up opportunities because there's something other um, that's perhaps worth taking, even though it might mm-hmm. not make you as much money or um, 
or similar. Yeah. So um, yeah, to, to to me that's the that's the exciting part, I guess, because even if an asymmetric opportunity works for you and you spend some time and you get way more out of it than the time you spend, that also means means you have kind of an an income that helps you get by, and you also have time to kind of double in something else. Yeah. You also mentioned uh, going to a cocktail party, going on many first dates. Have you ever done any of these things? Yeah, and I, I'll talk about the cocktail party example, although that's not a not necessarily a cocktail party, but I think um, just kind of talking to people, essentially, it's like mm-hmm. you, you never know who can be your next client or who can give you the next piece of advice that's going to change your business or change your life. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, and I think just kind of, um, yeah, it's like you, you got to talk to many people until you find somebody that either can be a really good client or can give you a really good advice or whatever it might be. Right. And and again, it's it's kind of asymmetric in a way that one person has the potential to to change your life, to change your business, to to do whatever. So I, I, I'm just asking, like, have you ever done these things, like go on many first dates or go to a cocktail party? I don't think I've done either of them particularly many times, but yeah. Okay. Not a lot of first dates? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. First dates are hard. <laughs> is there also on the list is move to a big city, definite, definite agree. Um, being in Tokyo or being in New York, there's so many things going on. You can, you know, literally sl- slide right into a, a situation and become part of it. Uh, for example, improv classes here or like dancing back in New York and dancing, not so much here. I guess the dynamics are a bit different breaking. I mean, um, but definitely agree with the big city, you know, just the amount of opportunities around. You can just slide right in Lindy book. I don't know what a Lindy book is. Do you know? It's a good I don't one. know. Who's Lindy? According to the Lindy effect, the longer something has been around like a book or technology, the chances are the longer survive. Lindy books are the ones that are foundational in the domain and have stood the test of time. Lindy books are hence those rare but incredibly valuable books that change the way we perceive the world. And the books that I, I just Googled this and I land on a, a website called lindy.co. Of course, Naval is on the picture for some reason. <laughs> Um, and you have books like Marcus Aurelius, Meditations, Sapiens, Brief History of Mankind, Rational Optimist, Wealth of Nations, Origin of Species, Lessons of History, Intelligent Investor, Great Gatsby, Infinite Games, Finan- A Man's Search for Meaning, The Elements of Style, Tao Te Ching. Um, so I guess, yeah, I actually read a few of these books, Med- Meditations, Man's Search for Meaning, and I think I've read some form of, or some version of Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Yeah. Man's Search both- for Meaning, though, by the way, I can uh, strongly recommend Oh yeah, I, f- I think you were mentioning Fort. I, I feel like I lent it to someone. I don't know who, and I never <laughs> got it back. So I'm a little salty about that, but I'll let go. See, I'm selfish about books. I don't borrow and I don't lend. I, I just like having I, I my own gift- copy. <laughs> I, I I like to gift books, but it's also hard to gift books because it's hard to know if the per if the recipient will enjoy them as much <laughs> as you will. Yeah. So that's uh the last book I gifted was to a friend. It was um this guy, not well, this guy named David Goggins, who's a I guess now he's a ultra marathon runner, but he's also a retired uh US Navy SEAL and he had a book called Can't Hurt Me, which is a pretty fascinating read. I think that's one of the few books that I had on the Kindle that usually the Kindle stops me from reading books. <laughs> Because it's just the Kindle experience is not the best, but because his, you know, the the writing was very compelling, I, I ran right through it. And that was yeah. the last book I gifted to a friend. I don't know if he liked it. It seemed like he would like it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess some books can be changing. Um, so so let me ask you this: Do you think um going to college can be a asymmetric opportunity? Of course. I mean, this goes back to the cocktail party. Think about how many people you meet on campus, uh, whether teachers or students that'll be in your class and then also where they will go on 
after college and all the people that they can introduce you to. It's simply, if we're talking about people-wise, um, yes. And also in terms of education, um, you know, there's that whole, oftentimes we'll hear, I don't know why I'm learning this, that I'll never have a need for it in real life type of argument. Yeah. Which I can kind of understand, you know, I'm not using sine, cosine, and tangent, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure smarter people are in other areas of life. Um, but I, th- I think it makes you more well-rounded. The problem is, I guess we humans want to see an immediate result in a lot of what we do, and we don't, in a lot of what we learn. Yeah. Um, I think generally it's better. I don't think college should be forced, but I think it's better if someone has if someone has dipped their toe into various intellectual pursuits and areas just to become a well-rounded person. Because, you know, like you're going to run into all kinds of people because, you know, for example, um, scientists think a bit differently than business people, than say doctors, everyone has, and then philosophers, everyone has their own uh, method of operation and approach to things. I'm pretty sure there are some similarities, but there are also some differences as to how people approach things. And I think it's important to uh, kind of be everywhere. Of course, you know, not saying you should specialize or generalize, but I'm saying it's important for that. So I think from both the people level and the educational level, I think it's important, um, for, I think, for most people to go to college. I, th- um, I understand why someone will argue, say, I have, no u- I have no use for learning U.S. history or I have no use for learning poetry. Or maybe That may be the case, but may be the case for some, but I think it doesn't hurt. Of course, then it becomes a question of time. I don't know. I'm Listen, I'm the type of person that I, I am open to intellectual curiosity. And yeah. I understand that it's also a very hard thing to develop, especially after we've gone through uh, 10 years or 12 years of uh, education where the kind of lesson that we're imprint, imprinted on, that, that's imprinted inside our brains is just to pass the test and move on. <laughs> kind of dampens intellectual curiosity. Um, I'm not putting anyone to blame here. I just I think that's kind of the lay of the land. Yeah. At the moment, um, I think it dampens it. So I can understand why people start to get turned off about learning new things, even if these things, you know, especially if things if things are not relevant to them at all. But I'm in I'm a, I'm in a bit of a different camp. I'm open to intellectual curiosity. I would uh, that yeah, big yes to college except for the cost. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's an asymmetric opportunity. Like um, you hear people say college is a waste of time or waste of money or whatever. But how many things really give you the give you the return of you go there and and again, I think it also depends on how much you spend on college. Do you get yourself yourself Yo, in debt and stuff like that? You right, right there, right. What you said right there is also it also um, made me think of it also matters as to how much you choose to get out of college because if you walk in there walk into class sit there uh do your homework pass the test leave if you're just doing the bare minimum if you're not pulling it pulling out as much value then of course you're not going to get much out of it you're going to get like a surface level education you know i thought i saw this is part of this is like after learning about how to learn this is like a strong feeling that i have If, if the learner if the student is coming in there they're expecting to be fed and in a way, that's what, that's why the system is set up that way because you kind of have to feed the common denominator. Yeah. But you can't approach it that way. Like I think I had a blast in college because um, there's a part of me that kind of realized that I also have the room to play around. I have the room to tell the teacher, listen, I don't want to do this finance project because I hate finance. Give me another report, something about entrepreneurship. I'll be happy to do that. There's a there's control, and you know, like if you ask things, you will get them. And if you pursue your curiosities you know teachers will support you but like most people they're just there to like they you know they'll think the system is kind of rigged against them I'm not sure if it is of course it's not perfect but i think just most people don't take advantage of it because they're they're there expecting to be fed 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And it, it's mostly about attitude, just like with everything else. It's like if somebody tries to sell an online course as the, what it, how do you say, magic bullet? As the magic yeah. bullet. Um, it really is only magic bullet to the extent where, where you take the opportunity and run with it. And it's the same with college. It's the same with, it's the same with not going to college and building your business, maybe right out of high school or whatever it might be. Unless you have that sort of drive, that, um, regardless of what opportunity comes in front of you, you're, you're kind of not going to grab it. And, and you're going to claim whatever the opportunity was. Um, like you said, that it's rigged or it's not really an opportunity or it's a waste of money. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's a definitely an asymmetric opportunity. Yeah, I, I think now, so. I mean, how, I how many, over again. again, yeah. I mean, how many people, um, way more, at least in the developed world, I think, than than for many other things, uh, went to college and that essentially made them get their jobs and start their careers and, and fed them for their life, their families. Yeah. So. so so say what you want about college. And I'm not saying it doesn't need any sort of reform or changes. I think it needs a lot of changes and a lot of things need to be fixed. But um, I, I think college is here just in one way or another. I think just as much as your own hard work and your drive, is there uh, kind of an ingredient to, su- to success or whatever definition of success that you have? Just as much as it's that, it's also the people that you encounter. And I think with with school, you know, you, you're placed into like a, I don't know, building several buildings area with thousands of people from all yeah. walks of life across four years. I mean, more than a thousand, more than thousand. Like, I don't know how big some U.S. colleges are. Yeah. So we went to a pretty small place here in Tokyo. But the point is like all these people, of course, you can't get to know them all, but People are, you know, one thing that can really change something about this. You know, you have one friend that's doing something interesting. So you'll hop in with them and they could take you somewhere. You know, like people are, I think, also just as much as our own hard work. It's the other people that provide us with the luck and opportunity that we ourselves can't kind of, you know, provide for ourselves. Yeah. So yeah, if I, if I could do it again, all over again, I probably would. Of course, you know, cost is another thing, which is a legitimate, a very legitimate argument. But cost aside, uh, definitely. Yeah. And and again, I think the cost side, there's there's always ways around it. Some people can get scholarship. There's always cheaper alternatives. I don't think you always necessarily have to go to the most of college. Yeah. Personally, I think it's better to go to college and stay out of debt to, yeah. to the extent possible. How about buy Bitcoin? Um, I don't know much about Bitcoin. Uh, plus, I, what is it? Is it expensive nowadays? Yeah. I think we may be past the point of asymmetric opportunity if it's i think uh, a lot of people that already got rich um they did it like several years back and yeah. at this point it's becoming more and more mainstream so i don't know i'm no i'm no bitcoin expert bitcoin expert i can't really speak on that i imagine it is i guess i don't know you're asking the wrong person here i don't pay attention much to crypto yeah me neither but yeah, I, I think some of these I, I guess all of them are at the end of the day a kind of a calculated risk for gamble but, yeah. but i guess really everything. yeah and i i guess the other thing we have here from nawal is him saying um if you need a degree to do it it's not going to make you wealthy any thoughts on that mm, needs a citation if you need a degree to do it it's not going to make you wealthy uh I th- yeah, I think we need some stats on this. Like, what is wealth? You have to define that and start working from there. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess the definition is really crucial. Because, um, yeah, because otherwise we don't know what we're talking about. And also, um, I, I don't know. I feel like most, if you look around, most successful people actually do have a degree or of one form or another, yeah. even if they're not necessarily putting it to use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a really strong opinion on this. I'm not quite sure where it's going. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to open up the. Uh, I'm not going to expand the comments to see what they say, because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of people saying, oh, that's so true. What do you think? 
I think yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. If you need a degree to do it, it's not going to be wealthy. I, I, I can't imagine that being true. Like th there's definitely things where, where you can get wealthy, but you, you don't need a degree. But I think there's also things where, and, and, and let's, let's say you, you're going to start in whatever, a marketing agency and you're going to become the biggest marketing agency in the world and so on. In, in the beginnings, you still probably need to, to go out yourself and sell, your, sell to your clients or even get some experience at an agency before you start your own agency, Yeah, um, where a degree would be probably useful to, to, to get you that um, initial job or initial clients yeah so again I, I feel like the four years that you spend at college um like you said if you if you use them to kind of experiment to kind of look for opportunities talk to people so on yeah um, i don't think you need a degree but i think it can be helpful yeah well the whole you know the, the statement's kind of like the statement's kind of designed to attract the type of crowd that's that hasn't went to college and kind of need justification that they made the right choice. Of course, there's no right choice or wrong choice, really what choice you're happy with and it's good enough for you. But if one is to assess the statement, then you got to, one, define wealth. Two, uh, compare degree versus no degree in earnings across various industries. And also, I don't know, find a way to measure wealth across time in the United States and what made what drove um, difference between wealthy and non-wealthy. Yeah. Especially in, in the case of like becoming wealthy, you know. Not just uh, rich people, you know, ha passing off inheritance to their kids, but like yeah. the new wealthy, how do they break in and what, what's similar about them? So this, this kind of statement requires a few questions to be answered before you can approach to analyze it and agree with it or not. Yeah. But it's kind of Twitter for you. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is, isn't it? Everything on Twitter is kind of in the same format where it's, where it's too vague, I guess, to make any sense of it. And it sounds good on paper, but at the same time, if you think about it a bit deeper... And I, I guess in a way, that's what those tweets are meant to do. I guess they're not meant, I'll take this as a sacred truth. Or at least I would hope so. And more like, hmm. take this and kind of think about it. And ask those questions that we just did and kind of um, get your mind working. Yeah. But of course, um, it's also a big ask for someone to stop and start going through the mental exercise of one, what is wealth? Two, what was the, what's the biggest driver of wealth? Three, what's the difference between the wealthy and the non-wealthy? etc and i think this kind of question not not question this kind of post um especially if you identify if you identify with the view that college is not going to make you wealthy you're going to quickly latch onto it without um, examining it because it justifies your own existence and your choices in life and of course everyone wants to be kind of right yeah maybe you print this tweet out and show it to your mom if it's ranked with a college or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, well um we don't stand by the repercussions that will happen if you print this tweet out and show it to your mom. Do that <laughs> at your own discretion. I don't recommend it personally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't use Twitter much nowadays. Uh, I know there's a lot of smart stuff being posted, but there's also a lot of garbage being posted. Like, I kind of wish Twitter went back to the old days where people would just post what they ate. Well, actually, yeah. that was Facebook back in the day. And I think kind of Facebook is on the way on a, on the way out because not many people post, and it's also not really not many people post like what they've did what they did today or their thoughts of the day. Yeah, kind of was the case back in the day. Now it's just I don't know. Here, take a look at my pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a kind of a love hate relationship with Twitter. Sometimes scroll to sometimes. Yeah, uh, I check it maybe once every three days or something. I only have like one or two followers, so it's <laughs> it's not like I have a reason to post really. 
Yeah, and and more and more, I spend more time in my um, aviation Twitter than my regular Twitter. Cause my aviation, my can aviation Twitter is mostly following aviation, like a bunch of aviation aviation photos, and and not not really um people trying to sound smart. Yeah, that, see, that's the kind of thing like people trying to sound smart. <laughs> that's what I try and want to avoid, especially and for myself as well. I don't want to sound smart. Yeah, that's what I notice people doing is like somebody posts a smart sounding quote, and then. Then it's like a a race to post the next even smarter sounding quote as a reply to that quote. You know, and what do you get out of it? I don't know. Well, well, I know for what they get out of it, they get followers, and they could probably sell their digital ebook full of smart quotes. But Either for or, um, yeah, or or you get a good feeling that you've done something to move yourself forward. It's highly questionable if at, at all. I agree. I don't know. I kind of wish social media was more so um, pushing people to interact with people. Because yeah. especially in the case of Facebook, I think they're more so interested in you interacting with Facebook and the content rather than you interacting with people. But, you know, the irony is that we're on Facebook because all the other people are on Facebook. Yeah. So we're there for the people, not for the platform. And I think that's how the platform might die a slow death. Because like if I get an alert saying, take a look at your memories or um, this page posted up a video. I don't really care about that. I want, you know, I want to hear a comment from a friend rather than uh, getting fed some new video that some page posted that I don't care about. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a quick Sidehouses and Stuff podcast, episode 66, unscripted, because life is not always about side hustles. <laughs> it's also about stuff. And it's also about unscripted stuff. So um, we hope you enjoy this. If you do want to start your own side hustle, visit the show notes at sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash E66. Why should you do that? Because if you if you do want to start your own site also, and if you do want to start your own website, inside the show notes, we recommend Bluehost, where you can click the link, sign up, purchase your own .com, and put your project out into the world. Again, visit the show notes at sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash E66. This has been the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast with Keishi Nyeri. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.